What's up, bitches? I'm Gaia. And I'm Nita. And this is Bitch Why. Our podcast where we talk about all the things we like and dislike and why anyone would make them. We are just a couple of artsy bitch people, bitch envies, learning about what makes art good and bad and why and how and who and if and talking about it. Amazing. Um... (laughs) Welcome. Uh, snacks? Snacks. I was listening to the last week's episode and I was like, you sound like a drunk person. So I think the answer was, I was drunk. I must have been. Oh, wow. That's hilarious. Uh, So I think the answer to the question was... You're drunk. You're drunk. Wow. Good morning. What are you snacking on today? So B moved out for the summer because they're working at a summer camp. And the night before they left... We were on Netflix and there, you know, you know, Bandersnatch, like the Netflix Black Mirror thing. Yes. There is a choose your own adventure like that for the film, The Boss Baby. Oh? Yeah. A worm? Yes. And Beanie and I did it. What happened? I've never been so confused and like, I don't even have the word for it. I feel like I was just so like messed up on that like on it and so then i tweeted about it and then my friend jake said that it needs to be a bonus episode of the podcast just like a playthrough of us doing this boss baby awesome Ah! and then also fascinating yeah and then also i watched a video essay on why the fascination with dark academia is actually like silly because the first book that ever like popularized it was a critique of dark academia and i meant to send it yeah, to Adeline, tea. and i meant to send it to adeline and i forgot but i'm sure i'm sure they've already seen one day it. we'll review a secret history adeline and i both love that book i know and i've never read it but i know that's just interesting to me also i watched a video essay on method acting and i'm like working with some people I, right that one keeps popping up for it's me it's good the broe de chanel one it's really good and i um, do hate method I, I also dislike it a lot, but I'm in Stone Street right now, which is the acting for film uh, studio at NYU. I, I bet they love of, Method. No, I actually have a lot of friends in Strasbourg in my section. And so they talk about like sense memory and stuff. I don't know. Stone Street is making me feel like I'm a horrible actor, which I'm not. Like I'm good She's at it. She's a liar. It. I'm good at it. But like- You're good at acting. In the moment, it is like very scary with the camera on you, whatever. And so then I'm just like, okay, well, what if I do think about something really sad and then it gets me there, right? Like, it's like, yikes. But um, yeah, the, anyway, the video talks about some really interesting things. And um, the person that Broe Deschanel talks to, who is an actor, makes some some good points. So you should all go watch slash listen to that. I, I want to watch it because I think it's going to validate all of my things about, like, the inherent abuse in acting training. Yes, yeah. And about how people use method acting to be abusive on sets and... Well, and um, the reason like that, that it was popularized is you've got, like, your James Deans and your Marlon Brandos, and they made it seem that, like, acting wasn't, like, a silly little thing by doing method, by being aggressive and, like with their with the way that they trained or whatever almost like gave the medium relevancy and and like a reason for for wanting to 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 a reason debt what is what it what word are you saying oh it's debt oh my god reason for being in French. french it's it's a phrase people say i've never heard that anyway it gave it it gave it validity 
And you'll see, like, when Leonardo DiCaprio goes method, he gets a critical acclaim that, like, Brad Pitt has never gotten because he's never gone method. Very, in- it was, like, interesting. That's the reason no one in Parasite won an Oscar, also because the Oscars aren't equipped to realize the fact that acting is inherently a team sport and that, like, declaring a best actor is, like, paradoxical to the craft of acting. It also doesn't make any fucking sense. It doesn't make any fucking sense because you've got editing, you've got lighting, you've got all these things. Like, I've noticed, like, when I'm doing the thing in Stone Street and they're putting lights on me, whatever, it's like all of those other things. Like, I barely have to do any work, actually. It's, yeah, it's very paradoxical. Anyway, what are you snacking on? They banished me to the kitchen this week, so all I've done is dissociate and make butter and listen to true crime podcasts. I've been listening to Red Handed and Park Murders. And honestly, I actually think it's negatively affecting me. I keep having dreams about being murdered, which is pretty standard for me. But like, I don't know if I can listen to these like soothing women talk about murder like yeah, this. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. Like I made my way through the entirety of Red Collar in a week. There's like 48 That's episodes. That's a lot. Yeah, I listen to S-Town. S-Town, I love S-Town. That's one of my favorite podcasts. But it's not, like, violent. No, it's not violent. S-Town is just, like, a sexy story. Bro, we should cover S-Town. That's one of my favorite (laughs) pieces of media that exists. We can cover a podcast on a podcast. It's my favorite piece of media. I know. It's described as, like, audible literature, almost, because it's it's so so beautiful. And I always tell people to listen to it, and people are like, what's it about? And I'm like, how do I explain this you to you can. without giving anything away? Yeah. So I'm usually like, it's like about a, it's about a murder in a small town, which is like not even close to what it's about. No. But like, that's the hook. So they're stuck with me for like 15 hours while we listen to the entirety of S now. Oh my God. Um, anyway, <laughs> speaking of me tricking people into hanging out with me for 15 hours, it's time for the roadmap. Fellas. This episode and all of our episodes, except for the Taylor Swift episode, (laughs) is made up of four parts. Bitch what, which is an introduction to what the heck we're talking about. Bitch how, which is a little technical rundown. It's art school brain. It's the big brain section of how it succeeds and fails. Bitch time, which is the opposite of bitch how, not having any thoughts and just experiencing. And then finally, bitch why, which is why we talk about what matters, if anything matters, can anything in the world have an impact? Are we useless as a species or as individuals within a species? And what provides meaning in life? And then the bitch meter, which is like a little calculator for diversity in a movie. Uh, it often correlates with quality, but doesn't always cause quality. Go listen to the lesbian get out. Fuck, what's it called? <laughs> Sorry. Uh, happiest season. Happiest season. <laughs> and the one, the musical lesbian one where james corden enacted the homophobia the prom yeah that, those are the two ones my god those are two of the biggies jesus christ anyway. speaking of lesbians yeah speaking of gay things occurring speaking of gay things happy pride month we watched cruella <laughs> happy corporate rainbow month everyone happy corporate rainbow month okay it's it time for us to watch disney's first ever openly gay character for the I don't fifth disney time. knows what openly gay means no. I don't think they, no. I don't think they, that phrase, I don't think they understand it. They're like, so when you mean openly gay, you mean someone who dresses a certain way, but then doesn't talk about their sexuality at all, right? Yeah. Like, if we dress them up as David Bowie, the people will know. They don't have to have a, they'll know. They don't have to have a part. They don't have to openly state that they're gay. Oh my God. Because they're dressed like David Bowie. <laughs> is it time for bitch what? It's time for bitch what? This is bitch what? Bitch what?
We're in it. Amazing. I came across this movie because Harris liked it, and then everyone was like, oh, Harris liked Cruella, and then I watched Cruella, and I was like, wait a second. Do I like Harris Cruella? Has rights? <laughs> yeah, what if Harris... No, because what the reason gay I was so confused, rights? I was like, Harris has taste, so if he liked Cruella, that means we need to, like, actually watch it. Well, I had learned to distrust Harris after the sour incident. Listen, Harris and I... As a fellow Aries. Mm, Aries to Aries. As I understand yeah. the... But he's a March Aries and you're an April Aries. You guys are not the same. We're beast. not the same, but I can understand after hearing Brutal as the first song being like, oh, this girl is going punk rock. And then immediately the next song is Traitor. So it's a little confusing. Anyway, I distrusted Harris, but I learned that I should never distrust harris he always understands no, he's right he also this it. movie is so fun like so many people are gonna be dressed up as cruella for halloween it's gonna be cruella it's gonna be wandavision and it's gonna be the sour album like people are just gonna put stickers on their face and stick their tongue can we out. do cruella for halloween i think we should <laughs> awesome <laughs> can i be wink and you can be wink's dad <laughs> <laughs> um no i'm cruella how tall are you Five three. No, you're not tall enough to. I feel I like everyone's heels. like enormously taller than me. No, the joke between me being Wink and you being Wink's dad was that you're so much taller than I am, but oh, you're not that no, much taller. We're than like me. Cameron can carry me around. <laughs> Amazing. Oh my god. <laughs> let's. Oh my god. Let's just explain this movie really fast. Cruella. It takes place in the 101 Dalmatians cinematic universe. <laughs> the 1DCU. Literally the 101DCU. The 1DCU, not to be confused with the One Direction Cinematic Universe. <laughs> Um, I literally, there's on, when you go on Disney Plus to watch this, it's like the 101 Dalmatians collection, because you have 101 Dalmatians, 101 Dalmatians 2, Patches London Adventure, which I really love. It's such a cute little film. And then you have the live action 101 Dalmatians and 101 Dalmatians 2, which, which Glenn Close was in, and also is a producer on this Cruella, which is really interesting. Um, and then you have new Cruella, and then two 101 Dalmatians TV shows, one from the 90s and one that I think was dropped, like, recently. I didn't realize that there was so much content <sighs> I didn't in the one either. DCU. I don't think 101 Dalmatians is anyone's favorite Disney movie. No, why? not even close. Uh-uh. So, like, why is it? <laughs> why is there so much content? I, do, I like Cruella better than I like 101 Dalmatians. Yeah. Here's what happens in Cruella. We haven't, like, done the plot of a movie in so long. No, I don't feel, we I feel should like we start, don't have to. We don't we have to? No, because I, want, I was like, watch this movie. Like, watch this movie. But if yeah, I have go to watch explain it. it, it's like Devil Wears Prada meets Ocean's Eleven. There's a specific gay movie that it reminded me of. Let me Google it real quick. Okay. This movie. Fuck, dude. I really like this movie. I watched it twice. I watched it. I, I almost watched it again today. I watched this movie twice. Everyone I know who's seen it has, like, watched it multiple times. I think it's, like, fulfilling something that, like, everybody needed right now, but it's good. Velvet Goldmine. Okay. It's a nuclear cinema movie made in 1998. <laughs> Involves a guy becoming a rock star. I've never seen it. Yeah, if you want a movie that's, like, the exact parallel to Cruella, except for they're allowed to say gay in it. And by say gay, I think I mean just, like, suck each other's dicks or something. Yeah, it's Ocean's 8 meets Velvet Goldmine meets the other movie you Be mentioned that it meets. Devil Wears Prada. Devil Wears Prada. Devil Wears Prada, yes. for sure. 
that th those are all the essential characteristics. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay. It's time for Bitch How. It's time for Bitch How. So this, the person who directed this is the same director from Itania. Oh, cool. That actually kind of aesthetically makes sense. Yeah. The editing in that movie is so freaking good. Uh, I love the editing in Itania. I think that Craig Gillespie or something, how you say his name, that's the director. Um, he's very good at telling like stories about maligned women. I think he did that very well with Itania. And I think he kind of gets there with this, but I can tell that the Disneyfication of, like, because it's a Disney film, there's, like, a sense of, like, being held back that I'm getting in some of the directing. Like, I can tell, like, there's some shots that I'm, like, or some things that are added in here that I'm, like, okay, they told him to do that. Like, with the dogs, like, Genghis, that dog being, like, pregnant and, like, giving Perdita and Pongo to Roger and Anita. I was, like, okay, like, they're setting up for something, so Craig had to, they had, they made him do that. They made him do, like, where she takes down the Hellman Hall sign. And then the hallway shot from the, the, sh the store that she gets to work in has, like, no substance behind it like I love I love a long take I love a long hallway shot but usually when that's in a movie you're learning something about uh the setting or the characters and like in this hallway shot it has no substance I thought so, that the point of it was that like you're realizing how little the thing that mattered infinitely to her mattered in real life like it was representing like the lowness of where she ended up compared to what she was dreaming about. I agree, but I wish that there was more happening in the hallway shot before we get to her. It feels passive. Like I kind of wish we were following someone or we were f like seeing things happening in the shot that felt more active. Like I didn't see a lot of people interacting who had importance in the story. Like, you know, like in Devil Wears Prada, and I know we're going to get a lot of Devil Wears Prada, like, comparisons with this anyway, but, like, when Meryl Streep's character is coming into the uh, workplace and everyone's freaking out and it's, like, hustle and bustle and, like, things are happening, like, each one of those shots has a purpose, right? Like, we're learning more and more about what it means when she's coming into the space and everyone has to, like, freak out and, like, get everything together, right? It felt to me like this is competently directed. Like I can tell there was a great director here and he had vision, but I can feel that like some of that vision was a little bit stifled by the fact that like Disney had its hands in this and was probably like co-directing a little bit. Some of the shots felt really artificial to me. Do you notice that? Like some things felt like not real, like some things felt like CG that didn't need to be CG. The dogs were almost always CG'd. And I was like, this budget is like $200 million. Just like have actual dogs. Like it's really taking me out of it when I can see this dog fully CGI'd for kind of no reason, unless they're doing like a stunt. You know what I mean? I, I do kind of like have the sense of like, like we said, I really liked this movie. Mm -hmm. I would have loved this movie if Disney hadn't had anything to do with it because there were so many moments where I was like, you could get like just like slightly grungier or like just slightly dirtier and like yes, yes, slightly, yes. not slightly, like a lot queerer and if you had been mm -hmm, able to like mm -hmm. really like grind your shoulder into any of those like 
those moments of like, yeah, like we we can allude to having a queer character, but we can't actually have one. We can allude to like poverty and grit mm, and mm-hmm. trauma, but we can't really like touch it. We can do these like big fashion stunts, but like we can't say fuck. And it's like the kind of yeah. movie that like if it could have said fuck, it would have been there. The scenes where she's like under uh, cutting everything Emma Thompson is doing at the fashion shows. So good. It's oh, so yeah. fun. It's so fun. The I could watch a so whole fun. two hours of just that. Me too. Like, she's got this kind of, like, Banksy vibe happening. It's so sexy. So I think what I want to refrain from, just, like, personally, is being, like, if I did it, it wouldn't be a Cruella origin story. Unfortunately, it is a Cruella origin story, and we can't do anything about that. But there's this new series happening with Marvel called, like, What If, or whatever, and it's animated. And this is, like, a a series in the comics as well. Like, what if Black Panther was in Guardians of the Galaxy? Like, what if he was the kid that was taken by Yondu instead of Star-Lord? Chris. Chris Pratt. Um, But, like, I feel like I never would have looked at, like, Maleficent, which is another Disney reimagination that I actually like. It's funny to me, though, that the bar is so low for Disney live action right now that Cruella not sucking is, like, what people are so excited about. That's awful. But, like, Maleficent as, like, a rape revenge story was never something that I expected but really enjoyed. Unfortunately, it also falls into the thing of, like, now it... Corella has to fit directly into the 1961 movie. And I kind of wish that they let themselves have more freedom with a reimagination without having to like bog themselves down with like fitting into the source material. Like what if it was just like a what if with Cruella? Yeah. You know? No, I agree. And I, it did feel like separate from the movie because I feel like at the end, it was, it's interesting because it wasn't really an origin story because we don't actually see Cruella, like Sheen and Nita are still friends at the end of the movie. Yeah. Or like friendly. And the kind of ending moment is like her being like apologizing to her little sidekick friend. Uh, I want to talk yeah. about that relationship. Oh, um, we will talk about them. Even though it was technically like a backstory, the end of the movie seems kind of in direct conflict with what she is in 101 Dalmatians. So it's kind of interestingly not at all a backstory. It's like the opposite yeah. of a backstory because like something yeah. else will then have to occur to bring her back to being a total evil bitch. And so I think you're right. If they leaned more into into not needing the canon, then they could have maybe just had more fun with it. But I think that's more just like this is a movie that if Disney hadn't had its sticky little hands on it, it would have been like <laughs> great because it has so many things in a movie that I love and like just happy to watch. But yeah, but sure. it it's not allowed to be that. And that's why Disney doesn't get any rights because it can't <laughs> even take a movie that I love and make and make it great. It only make it good. Yeah. Well, so actually you mentioned one quick thing about like not getting to live in like the grief or trauma or whatever and i agree with that i just feel that like there's almost no emotional toll that it takes on cruella like if cruella is estella's sasha fierce (laughs) like beyonce sasha fierce there's no hesitance on her end and i'm not saying that like women have to hesitate when they like to put on a persona 
But even when she's home, there's no, like, hesitance. Like, you can't tell me that to stand up to Emma Thompson's character, that that doesn't freak her out, like, all, yeah. like at least a little bit, at least at the beginning. And then when, when her sidekick friends, when Jasper is like, dude, what the fuck are you doing? She's just, like, fully into it without any thought as to, like, what it feels like to do that now. I just would have, I was really craving some, like, for her to have some some introspective moments on what it means to do that. Yeah, I think that was something, I think that was, like, overall one of my least favorite things about the movie is that it didn't really feel like she changed very much. Like, she mm-hmm. learned a lot of things, like, facts about her life. But yeah. she didn't really emotionally, like, her as a child and her as an adult at the end of the movie, they're the same person. Like, they're a headstrong child who's sometimes possessed by a cruel alter ego. Yeah. And those are the same. And 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 part of the reason I liked her relationship with her sidekick guy, Jasper, is because I think the closest we got to that was the scene on the balcony with her apologizing to him. And and that mm-hmm. felt like a moment where I was like, I understand that you are a person who has cares for anything. Like you have yeah. something that grounds you in this world. I, I don't know. I really liked their relationship. I liked that it wasn't the point of the movie and that I liked Me that it, they didn't like fully flesh it out. But it was such a nice like quiet under thing of like having someone who is like, in love with her quietly and she's like and like she loves him in her own way and like yeah that type of love highly specific strange not quite perfect love story is mm-hmm. so delightful like people who are hesitant and not quite sure but like know how much they care about each other i just think it's neat i agree it also like has um, a found family aspect to it as well, which I think a lot of people are like latching onto as like something that they really like resonate with. I think also keeping Cruella single, like there's this really great video that the take just put out about Cruella, like through the ages, right? Like she started out in the 1961 movie as like, this like rich, spoiled heiress and like a single woman is something that is scary, like a spinster. That's like when you had like fatal attraction, right? And then Glenn Close, funny, funnily enough, then played Cruella later in the live action from the 2000s, who leaned more into like the fashion mogul thing, but then also like is scary and crazy and evil and is also single. So like the thing that like the single woman is something to be feared I wonder what the repercussions of, like, this kind of retroactive girl bossing of, like, not just Cruella, but also, like, Maleficent and, like, other Disney women. Like, I think that happened, right, in Beauty and the Beast, too. Like, it is a direct response, I think, to that pop feminism from the 2000s that is in Lindsay Ellis's new video about The Little Mermaid as well, which you should all go watch if um, you haven't yet. And I don't think Disney is like, oh my god, everyone thinks our characters aren't feminist, so now we have to make them all feminist. But it's like, what is happening now? I don't know. I don't, I've, I haven't, I don't have smart thoughts about it yet. I guess, like, it, it almost feels like Disney's not quite mature enough to make a movie about moral ambiguity that feels authentic. Disney... Part of what their brand relies on, and specifically, like, kind of the classic and, like, princess 
Brand relies on is a stark contrast between good and evil and like Mm -hmm. if they engage with moral ambiguity i think it makes people think about things that they don't want them to think about yeah if the characters are morally ambiguous then disney becomes morally ambiguous if it puts itself which they don't want to do yeah disney wants to be a force of like pure unadulterated good in the world and so if they make movies about moral ambiguity then they open up the trap door that is Disney is not unadulteratedly good. Nothing is completely good. And if people actually looked and thought about Disney without the Disney patina, then they would be heartbroken. Such is this movie not being quite as great as it could have been because they're not ready for that. Yeah. And they, they're never going to be ready for that. It's kind of like... I agree. Something that I was thinking about a lot while watching this, like, famously, like, Cruella did make me homophobic. because It was because they brought the... They brought this character on screen whose name is Arthur, I believe. Artie. Artie. Yo, bitch why listeners, was that me remembering a character's name? <laughs> was that me able to speak aloud the name of a character? Okay, I'm so sorry, but Artie, like is a queer name like that is just that reads to me as it's like, like how nbs are all named like rock yes actually my friend jude was like jude is such a queer name like that's such a name when you change your name it's that's what you change it to <laughs> like, yeah you have to have a name that's obscure enough that nobody can tell that's our game yes and i think that Artie does that very well <laughs> But basically, Artie made me homophobic because Disney famously had their first openly queer character, which, like, clearly they don't know what the word openly means, but whatever. Mm-hmm. What was frustrating about him to me was was that he was meant to be a representation of, like, 70s, like, queer punk, which is, like, such a beautiful and, like, foundational piece of, like, queer history that, like, that I've loved learning about and I think everyone should learn about it, like... It's, it's really cool and interesting. And seeing Disney make it feels so traitorous almost. Like Disney, they, they haven't earned the right to touch queer punk. They won't even say the word queer. They would get in trouble if they said the word queer because if Disney said the word queer, it would be a slur. They can't engage mm. with queerness in a compassionate way because they have to market to the universal audience which is why disney will never fully make cruella work because they are not strong enough to engage with the topics that they wanted to touch with this movie i actually like expressing this out loud like has really got me heated about this like i people talk all the time about how great it's gonna be when disney makes like a queer princess, right? People talk about, I feel like that's, that was like one of the first like ideas that I think I encountered when I first started learning about representation. Like, Mm. oh, wouldn't it be great for like children to see like a queer princess? And I actually think that Disney can never make anything with queer people in it because it has betrayed the queer community so profoundly that any effort it makes to like hold our history is like, Putting something that's precious into the hands of someone who wants to destroy it or undermine it. And I think that was maybe, maybe like my fundamental problem with Cruella was that it felt like there was like a catch or like some sort of curtain to be pulled back 
like I wasn't ready to see Disney touch my history because I they've so callously chosen to ignore it for so long. I agree. It's like I mean, it's a bigger version of what we see during Pride Month with like capitalist entities and right and again with like Juneteenth coming up, like these thing like they they can never fully touch it in a way that is profound and that actually means anything to us because they just there's there's no getting past all of like the harm that comes from these companies yeah i agree i i understand like and thinking about like what it's done to its queer employees in the past like speaking of like the little mermaid like how many people have had to hide within like disney in order to like be allowed to make art and also, like, the malice that Disney treated queer people with for, like, 60 years. For 60 years, Disney said every single awful person we create is gay. Right. So, like, with their queer coding now, they've almost, like, girl bossified the queer coding. Yeah. And then, you know, in Lion King, they fully just took it out. Like, Scar is, like, yeah. straight as fuck. <laughs> they decided to make the Beauty and the Beast villain gay where they weren't already gay. Josh Gad, the pre-James Corden, James Corden. Oh, poor Josh Gad. (laughs) I'm so sorry. Sorry to Josh Gad. Um, Rip to Josh Gad, but James Corden But, like, I don't feel bad for him. He has so much Disney money. Is Josh Gad, like, actually queer, though? No, he's he's married and has kids with the woman. (laughs) Sorry. Yeah, see? If you're gonna have queer characters, like, have them be played by... And then I think the Ursula casting... I mean, I think Lizzo really wanted to do it for a while, and I honestly would have been totally fine with that for Ursula. But you could also just, like, literally cast a drag queen. But again, what does it mean, then, for someone of the actual community that this movie in the past used as, like, a parody, as a form of something to, like, vilify? Like, why would you... I mean, and because Disney is so fundamentally, like, a part of the American childhood, it means that, like, not only did they, like, vilify queer people, but, like, they put that inside of every child. Mm. They put that seed of this is evil and bad and wrong and gross into every child who ever watched those movies. And we're, like, never gonna be able to uproot that. Like, that is so deep well it feels like it feels like they took camp away from us yeah and so it's so it's so strange watching this movie feel like a like this movie maybe the reason i liked it was because it felt like a queer movie like so many moments felt queer the fashion felt queer The the rock number felt queer it all was like oh that rock number was fun it felt like a celebration of counterculture and like the idea that um mainstream understanding of what is couture what is culture is false and coming from disney that message is hollow because like disney is the baroness disney is the baroness like they are the evil creator that like points and makes things happen and never lets their employees off and preys on the creativity of people who are better than they'll ever imagine being yeah and i think it's interesting though that like 
the actual Cruella in the movie is Emma Thompson. It's not Emma Stone. Because one, they need to make her likable enough to have a sequel. Like, I could tell that they were setting this up for a sequel, too. They can never end anything. I really liked this movie, though. I want to stress that, like, you can watch this movie and enjoy it because, like, Harris really loved it. No, like, writes for Cruella, but, like, I feel so betrayed. Yeah, and it's very, it's very, like, early into your, when you first, like, come out and you're like, oh, I want a queer Disney princess. Oh, I want a queer, like, this, whatever. Yeah. And then you go, you get older, you get a little more jaded, which is fine. Um, It's okay to be a little jaded. But then you're like, uh. Actually, I don't think I want that. Because one, they're not going to do it in a way that is, yeah, authentic. This is so sad. This is Alexa, sad. We got really sad. Traitor by Olivia Rodrigo. Anyway. No, now I'm scared to review Luca. I like, I'm so excited about Luca. I'm really excited. Because of the I'm Call so Me By Your Name vibes. Yeah. No. Well, here's the thing. I think the problem, I think, I actually think that these things are connected in that... Disney, Marvel, Star Wars, all of these these live-action remakes, I know that this is a take that has been heard before. They cannot commit to anything. They can't commit to an ending because they want to set up for a sequel. They can't commit to an arc because they have to keep that character. They can't kill anybody off. They can't do this. They can't do that. And I think all those limitations are felt in the grand scheme of, like, just these movies being made. I don't think this movie could have gotten made. If, it, if someone pitched this movie and said, this is Devil Wears Prada meets like Ocean's Eleven with like Banksy queer vibes, right? Meets Velvet Goldmine. Meets Velvet Goldmine. It would not get picked up because it's not IP, because it's not any of it. So like, unfortunately, for it to get made, it has to be a Cruella reimagination. But then, because... You can't commit to anything. They also cannot commit to queerness. They can't commit to Corella actually even being as evil as she is in the 1961 version because that one was made in a bottle. That one was made as just one movie. She has to be still likable enough so that we can have more sequels. She can't actually be evil evil. Someone else has to be the evil person. It has to be Emma Thompson. She has to get overthrown. We have to root for this person. Moral ambiguity does not exist. I think all this stems from, like, this uh, this inability to commit to anything at all. I was just thinking about it as we were chatting. And, like, I was trying to think about why the idea of Luca being a queer movie makes me feel kind of warm and fuzzy. But the idea of Cruella being a queer movie makes me angry. And I hmm. think it's because... Bear with me. Okay. In... Some ways, I feel like Luca being a movie about like young queer characters would be like an olive branch to the queer community, and yeah, the creation of Cruella feels like Disney came into the gay bar, sat down, and acted like they'd been there the whole time. And yeah, the reason why is because Cruella is they made a movie about counterculture, which again, Disney is fundamentally in opposition to counterculture. Mm -hmm. Disney is mainstream, the most mainstream that anything could possibly be. So Disney making a movie about counterculture is like a hilarious paradox that would make the like drag queens of the 70s vomit. Yeah. But Luca... What I was talking about, about how Disney planted the seed of, like, homophobia in every single child, Luca is kind of, like, the opposite of that. Like, Mm -hmm. the idea of being, like, we can do something kind for queer childhood 
is almost like for me feels like it could be like the first step in Disney trying to like reach out to queer children. Whereas this feels like you wanted to talk to the queer adults who have been hurt by you. Like you can't unhurt these people, but you can you can start planting better seeds in the children who are going to watch your movies. I agree, but am worried about the plausible deniability that it is queer because they have to toe a line. Disney has his brand, right? That if like conservatives watch Luca and they go, this isn't gay. Like Disney can be like, yeah, you're right. It's not. You know, no, like Luca's probably not going to be a great. I don't think Luca's going to be a movie about queer childhood. No, but, but it's going it to it <laughs> feel like it is. It's going to feel like it is, and it's going to make me feel slightly warm, and I'm not proud of that. Yeah. If they did, then that would be the sort of thing that I feel like would maybe be like the first brick on the bridge. Pixar also feels like Disney's weird little brother. Yeah. Like, Pixar can get away with shit that Disney can't. Yeah. Well, actually, there's this, like, short film on Disney Plus right now called Out, and it's, like, six minutes long, and it's about this guy who's, like, not out to his parents yet, and at the end, he comes out. That should be illegal. It's it's actually very cute. But I've then heard, he, I'm sure. Uh, it's weird. He, like, accidentally switches bodies with his dog. In that moment, I cannot explain this movie. Like, it's so weird. But, like, in getting to be his dog and he, and his mom is talking to the dog, just, you know, how you talk to your dogs, he realizes, like, oh, my mom will be fine with me if I come out. Weird. But not, a, like, they didn't market it a lot. Like, it just kind of showed up one day and it's, like, if you want to watch it, you can watch it. It's not, like... Corella, where like it's like we are selling this for $30. Okay, one the fact that I have to pay $30 for this. Fuck, dude. I'm just (gasps) mad that Disney made a movie and they're like, we're making Call Me by Your Name, but it's about 13 year old boys who are mermaids. And I'm like, fuck, I want to watch that. I'm mad that I want that. Who doesn't want to watch that? And also, especially now that Army Hammer's being exercised from the cultural concept. Somehow, I feel like, I feel like. Disney was like, okay, now's our chance. <laughs> like, let's swoop into the Call Me By Your Name sized hole left in everybody's heart. This is just a Luca prequel episode, everyone. Yeah, We're not talking about Corella, which was good. Uh, yeah, and it's like, okay, well, what do we do when the thing that's kind of oppressive to you represents you a little bit and you like it? Disney won because I liked this movie so much. I had so much fun watching it, and that means I they watched won. It they beat twice, me. dude. I watched it twice. It's something about it is addicting. Like, it's kind of like Twilight. But it's better than Twilight. No, no, but it's kind of like junk food. You know what I mean? It's like, you know it's, like, bad for you. But, like, God, isn't it so fun in the moment? Cruella's not a good thing in the universe. Cruella is a manifestation of Disney hurting me personally. You know what it is? It's like when the Met did camp. Yeah. It's against the rules. Yeah, it's like half of the people in the thing understood the assignment and the other half didn't. And so it's like that dissonance, which was this movie. It's like I saw a TikTok earlier where like two straight girls were doing the like... They were voguing? They were voguing. I was like, wow, we've lost touch with our roots. We can't talk about voguing right now. You want to do bitch time? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
Okay. All right. Three, two, one, go. Oh, no. I don't have any thoughts. Um, why were the Dalmatians evil? <laughs> why were the Dalmatians evil? <laughs> that was so funny. Like, I love that. She was like, those Dalmatians killed my mom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? Oh my yeah. god, why were the... I loved every outfit. I loved that uh, gay Andrew Garfield character. That, like, Andrew Garfield-looking motherfucker. Do you remember? He looked dang. exactly like Asian Andrew Garfield. I don't even know if he was Asian. But he didn't look white. Anyway. Yeah, I just... I just liked watching this so fucking much. It was so yeah. fun. The outfits. The outfits. The dress that was actually, like, mods changed my life. Oh, that moment is so cool. Hair. I wrote hair bigotry. Oh, because the hair racism. <laughs> I thought it was so funny that she was like ostracized for her hair. Like, yeah. Okay, Disney. <laughs> I liked Wink. Okay, I, that I loved Wink. Wink. He's so cute. Um, The music was so jarring. The music was so jarring. You get one iconic 70s song. Anytime a movie is set in the 70s, I feel like just do every song. Every song. I was like, is this a jukebox musical? Stop. Like, there's too many. You get one. You get one. You can't have all of them. I don't mind the overuse of 70s pop culture. No, but it was like, it was like every minute there was another song. Like, I was like, Please. And then there was one moment there was actual score and the score was good. And I was like, it had like female vocals and it was like cool and like, I don't know, fun. And and I just feel like you can u- like utilize that a little bit more to set the tone. Like I, it felt like it felt like um, Suicide Squad where it was like the song you're relying on the song for tone and not the movie for tone like the rest mm. of the filmmaking oh my god that was a smart thought i'm so sorry it's yeah i know that was too intelligent i didn't like that like the the one sidekick was so cool and well developed and the other one was just annoying yeah well it's fat phobia i'm sorry it was the fat phobia it was the fat phobia um okay that one guy who saves her from the fire he looks like i know stanley tucci is straight but he looks like straight stanley tucci and he's kind of giving daddy i'm so sorry yeah i think i thought that the the play was going to be that she, he was daddy, which was what they yeah, wanted us to think. They did. So good for them. I Okay, in the beginning of the movie, it seems like she dyed her hair. But then at the end of the movie, it seems like they're all wigs. No, but when she was born, her hair was like that. No, 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 no. I'm not talking about that. <laughs> no, we're allowed to go over because you used some of my time for intelligent thoughts. I'm so um, sorry. Yeah. No, so in the beginning, she's like, I have to dye my hair, and I'm an orphan. And and she started oh, dyeing her hair, but then yeah. at the end of the movie, it seemed like everything's wigs. I think eventually, she was probably just like, let's do wigs. Also, I wish they had committed to the full half-black, half-white hair, and done one white eyebrow and one black eyebrow. Oh, that would be Commit interesting. to the bit. Even better if they're on opposite sides, so, like, the black hair side has the white eyebrow. You could definitely kill that. Me? Yeah. Don't tell me that, because then I'll do it. (laughs) Bro, someone the other day was like, oh, no, Emma Jensen the other day was like, Gaia, you would look good with a neck tattoo, and I was like, absolutely do not tell me that. Don't tell, why would you, why would you speak that? Why would you say that to me? Okay, it's time for Bitch Why.
really liked the conversation around power. Mm-hmm. I like that the thing where Emma Thompson is like, if you have to talk about power, you don't have it. And I actually think the subtext of this whole movie is that, like, she actually still is not. And it, there was a lot of moments where, like, Emma Stone got put in her place. Like, she got put in her place a lot. People were like, you ain't, you're like, you're not shit yet. Like, you haven't done anything yet to, like, warrant having all this power. And I thought that was interesting. I don't know. It felt like kind of a step up from Devil Wears Prada in that conversation around, like, what does it mean to have power? What does it mean to, like, be in charge of something and actually own it. And I think because we discussed a lot about, like, Disney and commitment and, like, not being able to own anything, I feel like that kind of, like, somehow is reflective of that. Um, I also think that the the secret thesis of this movie, and I don't know who put this in there because I don't know how they snuck it in without <laughs> Disney noticing, but they they somehow figured it out. The secret thesis, I think, is that you have to be a sociopath to be rich, and that, like, either <laughs> becoming rich fundamentally alters your psyche to the point where it makes you evil, or you have to fundamentally alter your psyche and become evil in order to be rich, which is right, but, like, I don't know how they snuck that in. It's like the I don't dance of movie theses, where you're like, how did that get past so many people? Yeah, I agree. I've been watching Game of Thrones lately, and, like, the thesis of Game of Thrones is that, like, power amplifies what you're already like. So if you gain power and you are, like, a benevolent, kind person, you will continue to be that way, but often the people who seek out power are already kind of primed to abuse it. And I think that that kind of shows up here a little, but not as well thought out as in Game of Thrones. That's like the whole thesis of that show. But I agree, basically. I said all that to say I agree with you. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Agreement on bitch why. Um, there's a lot of fat phobia in this that just yeah. is of a time that we don't need to have, have, we don't need to be in that time anymore. Like, stop. Like, stop. Guys, we're adults. In every scene, he's eating something, and, like, every scene where he's eating, it centers around him eating and, like, just talking about food or being excited about food. And I was like, yeah, aren't we all excited about food? But, like, the way that they, they just are so mean to this character. And this guy, this actor who is a powerhouse actor. He was great in Itania. He was great in Richard Jewell. Like, how dare you actually insult this actor with this, like, very cheap um, characterization? Like, the amount of disrespect fat actors experience every single second of being alive is atrocious. Mm -hmm. Yes. And then, you know, speaking of just, like, marginalized characters, I don't know how I feel about, like, the background characters or the side characters kind of being retroactively made people of color because that shows me that that is possible. So then why not Cruella? That's what I was thinking. I was like, okay, you want Cruella to have something about her physical appearance, make her feel disenfranchised Mm -hmm. by Mm -hmm. mainstream society, feel like she has to hide herself and who she is. The fact that it's hair, too? I'm like, I'm like, like I wonder what in life about your physical appearance mm-hmm. might make someone feel marginalized by the world that they're in. Yeah. Uh-huh. I wonder what what it could possibly what could possibly make someone feel like that. 
I don't know, guy. I have no idea what that could possibly be, actually. We've reached the end of our intellectual capacity, and racism is over. You know, this is some very, like, white women powerhouse acting. Like, little women. Like, I mean, who doesn't want to see Emma Thompson and Emma Stone, like, chew the scenery? It was great, but could have been any other two powerhouse actors. Could have been Lupita Nyong'o and, like, fucking Viola Davis, for all I care. That's what it could have been, too, if you, like, thought about it a little harder. So, like, yeah, so they showed me that, like, you can make Roger and Anita people of color. Cool. Why not the main character? Especially when, like, the whole premise of this movie is that, like, people are rude to her for how she looks. Yeah, that was, it was weird to watch a white woman be marginalized. (laughs) A white woman experience racism. She was basically experiencing, like, weird racism. That's why I wrote hair, I wrote hair Manic pixie dream racism. Manic pixie dream racism. I like that she has no love interest. Yeah, you know, I do think that something about, like, the actually the Glenn Close Cruella getting to be so evil, and even, like, in interviews, Glenn Close is like, no, I wanted her to be, like, unabashedly evil. Like, she's just fucking evil. And, like, Cruella actually, with 101 Dalmatians, like, that entire, with a 101 DCU. It's the one DCU, not to be confused with the One Direction Cinematic Universe. Cinematic Universe. Cruella is the thing people remember from 101 Dalmatians, right? So, like, it's weird to me that the Glenn Close one gets to be so evil, so deranged, so sexy, and, like, unfiltered in a way that this one feels much more sanitized now. Like, it's almost like we went backwards. Yeah, but, I mean, like, that being said, I do like, I do like a relatable character. I I think it's kind of nice to have an evil person be redeemed. Yeah, but then lean into the- Redemption a little bit more, like, let her be more human. Yeah, I agree. Let her be more human because she almost, she switches so fast that I'm like, oh, okay. It's like she's not quite evil, but she also doesn't care about being evil. And you never get to see her, like, you know, at least in Devil Wears Prada- when Andy starts to, like, f- drink the Kool-Aid, like, you kind of are like, yeah, girl, drink the Kool-Aid. I'm, like, into you being, like, a fashion mogul. Look at you go. Like, you want her to do it. And then when she doesn't, at the very end, you're like, okay, actually, good for you. Like, I get it. But if Andy went the other way, I also would have been like, yeah, dude, you're killing it. So, Nita, I so feel like you're outing yourself as a bottom right now. I clearly am a switch. You just want an evil lady to step on you, Nita. That's okay. No, I don't. No, because Andy, I want to be Andy. <laughs> She's you want to be the evil stepping on individual. Yeah, well, I can go, again, I can go both ways. I can quite literally do both. So this this is an expression of your switchhood. <laughs> yeah, they switched them. I'm so sorry for accusing you of being a bottom. That was rude. Yeah, how dare you? Um, But no, like, what I mean is, like... There's a way to do that. There's a way to, like, let her be evil and, like, still have us root for her. Of course there is. And, like, they just didn't do it right. Or didn't do it enough. Which sucks. That really sucks. Um, Sucks that this movie was so good and yet not quite. This movie was so good. The other thing is just that, like, I feel like we rely on CGI too much now. I know that's such a stupid gripe, um, but I do think that we're seeing just, like, 
CGI where it doesn't need to be. Like, in the live action from the 2000s, those dogs were all, like, real. (laughs) And they were doing things. Can you just, can I just get some real dogs? It's really not that hard. Like, if you have $200 million, I'm pretty sure you can get some dogs to, like, chase somebody safely. Yeah, and I think it adds to the generalized, like, Disney sanitization dumb shit. Cruella was good, but at what cost? Time for the bitch meter. Time for the bitch meter. It's time for the bitch meter. All right, this is when we rate the thing. Not quality, but like representation. And sometimes it correlates and sometimes it doesn't. All right, what do we give it for queer? We gave it a not applicable, but we gave it a minus one for making me homophobic. If you want to know why, listen to the episode. Listen to the whole episode. For gender, we gave it a five. Um, this movie goes full girl boss gaslight gatekeep. Um, so girl, we have to give girl it- Girl boss gaslight gatekeep. We have to give it the five because it's just women, womening this, all over this movie. <laughs> this whole this whole movie was very girl boss gaslight gatekeep. That should be the title. That's what everyone's calling it, though. I feel like we have a better title in this episode somewhere. Yeah, we've got some one-liners that have We got dropped. some good- Yeah, we we don't need to call it that. That's derivative. But, you know, women- Women. 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 Exactly. Uh, what did we give it for race? Uh, we gave it a 2.5. We were like, wow, it was cool that you made Roger and Anita people of color. Um, and Jasper's his name- Jasper, yeah. Who is? That man is fine. He is. Jasper, not white. Jasper's actor was really white passing, his adult actor. Yeah, he is also white passing. You know, they could have done better. They could have gone further. Yeah. If you have someone who is white passing in your film, that's fine. As long as they're not the only person of color in the film. Exactly. That actor, he's a great actor. He went to Rada, I looked it up. We don't have to, like, shit on him to want more representation. Like, and also, all of the people of color are side characters. They're not main characters. So, like, that's, you know, that's important to note. Exactly. Like, he's the closest thing to a person of color in, like, a leading role. And the only person of color in a leading role is white passing, which, you know. You know. Anyway. All right. For disability, we gave it an NA, but we gave it a plus one for Wink. He had he's no so eye. Cute. And he's got his little and they, oh, he, he's his power. So cute. His when he power. was a rat, I was like, "That's me." <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, movie, like, that's what I look good. like in my head." Like this movie is so goofy. I really enjoyed it. What do we give it for body positivity? Yo, we actually like. Actually, this is different than our usual fellows. Mm-hmm. Fellows, we gave it a zero yeah. because. It engaged with body positive positivity, but only to be fat phobic. Yeah. So we had to give it something on the meter so that it would like actually change the outcome. It's okay, gang. It brings the score down even more than our typical NA minus one. Exactly. We did that for you guys. For class, we gave it a four. Uh, due to the aforementioned, you have to be a sociopath to be rich sub- subtext of this film. Whoever got that in, like, can I have your number? Like, you. can we talk? <laughs> can we have a conversation? Can you Could come we on kiss? this podcast? Could we, like, hold hands? <laughs> um, so that gives us a drum roll, please. 
Final score of a 5 out of 10. Which feels right. That's correct. That's like a dirty so 5 out of 10. If only this movie had actually been like dirtier and grungier, then maybe the score would be higher. It's like how Harris felt about Sour. Mm, but lovely. we forgave Sour because rights. What a cyclical end. Time for Harris's hot take. Hey, y'all. My name ain't Harris. It's Cameron. We've had a lot of technical difficulties this week, including that Harris was very busy when we recorded, and so we were not able to record his hot take. However, we checked in later, and like he said in a previous episode, he loved Corella. He agreed that it was also very gay without being explicitly gay. We've covered all these topics. Y'all know what's up. You've heard his hot take. (laughs) Anyways, back to you, Nita. Great. Amazing hot take, Harris. Thank you. (laughs) If the hot take isn't hot, at least Harris is. It's a hard hot take from Harris. (laughs) Oh my god, what are you working on? Um, I'm entering pre-production for a play that I wrote. Um, I'm doing a lot of clothing clothing modification. I realize that I wear baggy clothes as a coping mechanism, so I'm altering all my clothes to fit me. Stop. Why would you say that out loud? <laughs> I said the quiet ready. part out loud, everyone. What are you working on? Honestly, I'm just in Stone Street right now. I actually, like, I did some scenes the other day and they went really well, and so I just feel good. That's hot of you. Not that anything yeah. you do isn't hot. I just feel good about myself as a performer right now, so that's nice. I'm just riding that high. Um, You're on that hot she-they shit. I am. I really like being a she-they. I really love it. Um, It just feels good. I mean, I'm working on a lot of things, but not enough that one of them stands out that I actually want to discuss. So that's, you know, that's it. Where can people follow you? Fellas, you can follow me on Instagram at Gaia Rose River or Gaia River Rose, depending on what you want from me. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Nita underscore Tadani, T-H-A-D-A-N-I. You can follow the Bitch Why podcast on Twitter or Instagram at Bitch Why podcast, or you can email us at b.tchwhy at gmail.com. Please leave us a review and rate us on iTunes. Also, tell your friends about the podcast. I recently read that like most people listen to podcasts because they get recommended from a friend or through another podcast. So if like everyone who listens tells one person, we'll have so many more bitches listening. So please, please tell a friend. Um, all bitches the- sphere could grow. Yes, the bitches sphere can grow. So all the resources referenced will be in the show notes. Thank you to our editor and co-producer and gay god Cameron and our graphic designer Jillian. Okay, bye bitches. Good night, bitches. <laughs>